from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rippey. Happy to have you. If you have often thought of jumping in on the show to contribute, either by phone or email, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com on the Twitter and Instagram at BBQCentralShow. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, it is the third Tuesday of the new month of October, and we are racing through it, helping me get through the third Tuesday of the month in his normal first third Tuesday of the month spot. Boy, that got really convoluted really quickly. In the 14 past segment, none other than the creator of the Barbecue Bible brand website, the associated book that really got the launch going, and pal oh mine, Stephen Reichland, Barbecue Hall of Famer as well. We're going to be talking about seasonal cooking because depending on where you live, seasons are a-changing. That's for sure. It's been the breath of hell here, long, one of the longest summer remaining temperatures into October in recent memory. But it is feigning quickly, and we will talk to Stephen about fall weather cooking and things you might want to be considering cooking on a live fire. We may or may not have a well-crafted pumpkin take to talk about Stephen with as well, so look forward to that. 35 past the hour in the first, uh, what do I want to say? 35 past in the second, jeepers creepers. Then after Stephen, let's try it that way. And also third Tuesday of the month, regular guests in 35 past the hour slot. And the creator of grillgirl.com, Robin Lindars, will be joining me. And we have a treasure trove of topics to go through. We will continue our tracking of Iguana 2019. It surfaced two months ago now where Robin unveiled on the show. I don't believe it was a topic necessarily, but offhandedly mentioned that there were these nuisance iguanas that were 
nuisancing wherever she is in Florida. And not only was it okay to figure out something to do with them, but it was actually encouraged to go buy a pellet gun and end their respective lives. As many as you could round up, you're able to do that. Now, being a nice human, like for me, it's like pop one and just leave it in the street or in the backyard or wherever it lay. That's where it's going to be for me. But Robin's like, well, I'm a little nicer than most folk. And I'm not a wasteful person. So since I'm going to be coming into what could be a endless amount of iguana meat, might as well try this out. So that's what we talked about last month. She was putting recipes together. And this month, we will finally talk about something she has made and consumed. And holy moly, are you in for a treat, especially if you have access to iguana, which most of us don't. But if you're in middle Florida, I believe, then you are in luck and you're going to have uh, quite a number of recipes coming through the grillgirl.com website. So Robin Lindar's 35 past in the first hour. Then we will move to the second hour and we will welcome two newcomers to the show. They're the creators of the smoke sheet, bbqnewsletter.com, which I talk about here each and every week in the second hour. That is Sean Ludwig and Ryan Cooper, both kind of uh, social media mavens, but they have uh, supplemented the individual social media tags with this new newsletter, the Smoke Sheet, which has been out for a little while. And so we'll talk to those guys uh, individually, and then we'll talk about how they paired up and why they decided to give this Smoke Sheet thing a try and how it's going. We may or may not cover some hot topics as well, because if they're journalists, then that means they have some thoughts on things that are going on in the live fire barbecue and grilling industry. So we'll talk to them about that as well. So there you have it, 216-220-0966. If you want to jump in via the phone, greg at com is the email address. Don't forget you can follow me socially at bbqcentralshow on Instagram, Twitter, and... As of today, TikTok. That's right. TikTok. T-I-K-T-O-K. TikTok. All the kids are on TikTok. And from my social media experts, it's going to be the new Instagram, the new Facebook, whatever. I'm just trying to be as socially accepted as possible as it relates to the show. And nobody believes me. I say this not only with peace and love, but I say this with conviction. And truthfulness, because I'm not here to lie to you people. If it wasn't for the show, I would have zero social media presence. Now, it seems very hard to believe, given the fact that I am fairly prolific on social media. But if you go through my social media, it isn't pictures of me, pictures of my kids taking vacations, I'm in a buying a car, blah, blah, blah. It's none of that. It, it only has to do with show promotion, sponsor promotion, business-related things, marketing for the show. And if I didn't have the show, I would have zero social media, no Twitter, definitely no TikTok, no Facebook. Hell no. Because outside of the show, I'm just not very interesting, and nor... Do I care to give you my thoughts on anything? 
I hardly care what I think, which means you can't care what I think. Notwithstanding that, if you're into the social medias and you want to follow me on all the platforms that I'm on now, I try and keep it simple at BBQ Central Show, Instagram, Twitter, now TikTok, slash BBQ Central Show on the Facebook, which is where you also get a video feed of the show each and every week. So whatever you like, follow me. It's going to be, I have no idea how to use TikTok. I'm going to be singing and dancing, I guess, maybe shooting some videos, whatever. So keep up with me. Get me to like 20 followers by the end of the show. That would be great. Now, special thanks to my pal, Steve Ray of Ultawa, Tennessee, the mega metropolis, the city that is suburbid by Chattanooga. A little bit of technical difficulties last week with Meathead as he was sitting in as guest host for me as I was in New York City. But it ended up being a really great conversation with Meathead as it finished out. And the second hour was absolutely stupendous. A standalone second hour for sure. Especially liked hearing from John Falkenberry of Jealous Devil Charcoal. I was set to interview John, obviously, in my absence. That responsibility fell to Steve. He picked it up with effortless ease and conducted a really great charcoal interview with John from Jealous Devil. Jealous Devil is certainly a brand that's up and coming. A lot of people starting to get into that, and they really broke down the whole company and John's background. John's a very interesting guy. Spoke really well, brought a lot of great energy and insight. So I appreciated that. Uh, but I mostly, aside from the great interviews, I mostly appreciate Steve picking up the reins yet again in my absence, this time battling through some technical difficulties. If you think hosting the show is easy each and every week and that I mail it in and that I'm flying by the seat of my pants, let me tell you, uh, <clears throat> wrong. I do not do that. Steve got to find out firsthand what you have to do when the technology bugs filter in. So job well done, Steve. And thanks. And next time I need a guest host, you are my first call as always. Now, as far as where I was, New York City for a modeling gig that my daughter Madison was booked for kind of late notice. But we were in very late Monday and then we had the balance uh, all of Tuesday and the balance of Wednesday. And we were right in Midtown Manhattan. And there were three highlights for me. World Trade Center Memorial and seeing the new World Trade Center. Top of the Empire State Building with my Maddie, which was very cool. And then, if you can believe it, and if you follow me on social media, lunch with John Marcus at Cat's Deli. Are you kidding me? Dreams come true right here on the Barbecue Central Show. More on that later. But thanks to John Marcus for meeting me. Like he had 50 better things to do, I would imagine. Bet me for lunch. Come on. Thank you, John. That was great. We have Stephen Reichland coming up out of the break. Green Mountain Grills. Let's talk about it. Three different models to choose from. The Jim Bowie, that's the biggest one. The Davy Crockett, that's middle of the line. And the, uh, no, sorry, Daniel Boone, middle of the line. Davy Crockett is the small portable option. Now that we are through week six here in the NFL, uh, perhaps it's week seven and or eight in college football, tailgating in full swing if you want a great cooker to bring with you because you crave wood pellet fired goodness then the davy crockett is going to be the cooker you want to take a look at fits in all your trucks vans and suvs it's not charcoal 
You can probably take it pretty much in any open-air situation if you don't have access to a traditional power outlet. Don't worry, because you can plug it right into that 12-volt adapter in your car, and it powers up, and away you go. Two lines to choose from, classic line and a prime line. Prime line, a little bit more money, a little bit more robust of a chassis that is built on two internal beat probe temperatures if you want them. Wi-Fi technology, of course, on all of the lines. A couple peek-in windows right there in the main cooking chamber, and then again on the pellet hopper. Lots of great tech there. 12-volt technology on the prime line, both the Jim Bowie and the Daniel Boone and the Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett's actually where it started way back in the day. And plus, they have a lot of other great accessories. As I always say, if you get the Daniel Boone or the Jim Bowie, make sure you get the pizza oven as well for 150 bucks or less, depending on where you pick it up. A great supplement to just the great slow cooker that the Green Mountain Grill is. GreenMountainGrills.com is the website. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And we are back with Stephen Reichlin from Barbecue Bible right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. This portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher's Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit butcherbbq.com to stock up right now. Actually, high-level talks with Dave Bosca last night, and that's all I can say about that. Central Lights, as I had mentioned at the top, it is the third Tuesday of the month, and that means it's time to do a segment with a icon in the industry, a host of TV shows, the creator of the instruct and instructor of the very popular barbecue university cooking classes, author of the most uh, popular barbecue and grilling book in the history of barbecue and grilling books, of course. Let's race to the hotline and welcome back, friend of the show, Stephen Reichlet. Hey, Stephen. Hey, how you doing, man? Absolutely fabulous. Always appreciate you making time for the show here, and a bunch of different topics to hit on this evening. So. Uh, let me ask you something outside of the box, though. The fir- I, I can't believe it, but it was last week was my first visit to Midtown Manhattan, New York. I assume you've been uh, many, many times. Many times, of course. Well, my first time, and I didn't well, have for you. I didn't have Did a you like huge, it? Uh, well. Let me tell you this: uh, as a guy coming from Cleveland who has been to Chicago five or six times at this point. Uh, Chicago easily dwarfs Cleveland, no contest about it. And then to go from a Chicago knowledge base to a New York City knowledge base, New York City dwarfs Chicago. So it was sensory overload. And I was just in Midtown. I didn't really get any further west than like uh, Times Square or Rockefeller Center or anything like that. But uh, I wasn't there for me, per se. My middle daughter had a modeling situation going on there, so I needed to kind of stay around just in case. 
But I got to see 9-11 Memorial. I got to uh, go to Cat's Deli with John Marcus, who is the creator of great uh, barbecue television, as you know. Uh, So I was able to hit that landmark, a couple other things. Uh, What's your favorite parts of New York City? Uh, I'm a downtown guy. Uh, I love Soho. I love the village. Uh, I love the Gramercy Park area. Uh, But, you know, New York, New York City, it's it's really it's a it's a giant megalopolis, but it's also a cluster of neighborhoods. And uh, I love that quality about it, too. It's, you know, walk 10 blocks in any direction. It changes completely. It seems like it would take maybe five lifetimes to eat through just the Midtown portion. It would take a lot of lifetimes. You bet. No doubt. All right. So uh, I don't know where you're at currently, Stephen, but uh, here in Cleveland, we've started to breach the fall season. Uh, summer had quite the the stranglehold here uh, through the better part of October, and now we're starting to get a little bit more seasonal. So, are you uh, transitioning to Miami yet, or are you still up in no, uh, the I'm, north? I'm back up in Martha's Vineyard. We were in Miami uh, over the Jewish holidays, and we're back up here. And uh, it's 47 degrees up here. So, th- this is winter. I mean, this this would be unthinkable winter in Miami, but right, yep. it is delicious. Yep. It's delicious. All right. So, this is in essence the fall weather that a lot of people have been waiting for when they uh, go through these uh, thermal cycles. So let's talk a little bit about fall harvest cooking and uh, cooking seasonally. I know that continues to be a thing that you really like to do is cook what's in season. So uh, what does the fall season mean to you and what does that bring to your live fire menu? Well, you know, it's funny. I was uh, at a farmer's, uh, a big farm stand in Martha's Vineyard called uh, Morning Glory Farm today. And I was noticing the incredible bounty of squash. I mean, they have, they must have had eight or nine different types of local squash. And uh, I love, you know, I love to take acorn squash, cut it in half and uh, grill it cut side down on a salt slab. I mean, it's a wonderful way. Or cut acorn squash crosswise into rings and direct grill those that's an amazing and uh i've seen some beautiful delicata squash and i was thinking man it'd be so cool to cut those in half scoop out the seeds and fill the squash with let's say like a cheese egg custard or ricotta custard and indirect grill that with a little bit of wood smoke uh squash is definitely on my menu for the next couple weeks you had mentioned salt block, and I got a off-the-wall question from somebody that uh, wanted me to ask if, is that something that you use regularly or is kind of in a, in a rotation? And if you like it, like what is it imparting flavor-wise, if anything? Well, I do use salt blocks pretty often. In fact, I keep a salt block positioned on one of my grills all the time. Um, I like to use it, like I said, for squash, cut side down is great. Uh, when I'm grilling meat, I don't actually grill the meat on the salt slab, but I grill the meat and then I rest it on the salt slab. So it gets kind of a little, you know, it's always important to rest your meat, stays warm on the salt slab, and you get a little kind of transfer between the juices of the steak and the juices of the salt slab that are ever so tasty. Another thing I like to do with it is, you know, I'm a big fan of chicken under the under a brick, uh, what the Italians call polo al matone. Uh, and traditionally you cook that chicken, it's spatchcocked and you grill it under a brick. I like to do it, do it under a salt slab. You just get that much more flavor. Um, one of the other things that is synonymous with fall, uh, obviously you're talking about Halloween, Halloween pumpkins. What about cooking pumpkins? Uh, is pumpkin something that you're going to eat? 
Well, I do eat pumpkins. I love pumpkins. And uh, what I like to do is I like to make a, a pumpkin pie on the grill. And to do that, I uh, caveman the pumpkin, that is lay it right on the embers and char, the, char it in the skins. And that gives you this really nice smoke flavor that goes from the outside in. Then you take the pumpkin flesh, you know, and it gets mixed with eggs and cream and, uh, and pumpkin pie spices, you know, uh, allspice, nutmeg, uh, uh, mace, cinnamon. And then to cook the pumpkin pie, I indirect grill it, again, with a couple of wood chips, a uh, handful of wood chips on the coals, so you're sort of smoking it. You wind up with this kind of double-smoked, totally amazing pumpkin pie. Have you ever just eaten the pumpkin meat, like cube it up and eat it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And another uh, thing that I actually am doing for the new book, uh, where you take pumpkin and you uh, ember roast it, like I described, and then you mix it with ricotta cheese, and that sort of becomes a dip or a spread for grilled bread. Really nice. Is there a similar taste of pumpkin that you would compare it to, or is it its own flavor? Well, it's pumpkin, but it's pumpkin sort of uh, uh, refracted through sort of this um, smoky goodness of charring the flesh on uh, embers. So it's sort of like a, you know, pumpkin on steroids or pumpkins, you know, viewed through a, a cloud of wood smoke. All right. and, and does it matter what size? Uh, like, is a bigger one going to be, let's say, no, more I'd... woody and lackluster in flavor, where a smaller one might Not... be a little more uh, sh- genuine? Yeah, I like the smaller ones. I kind of go for maybe pumpkin that's sort of about that big, you know, maybe a three-pounder. All right. Uh, Stephen Reichler joining us here on the show, barbecuebible.com, his website, of course. One of the things that I was reading on your website recently, Stephen, was seven grilling trends according to Project Fire. Of course, Project Fire is uh, both a book and a TV show for you. And I was interested if you could share some things that I guess uh, I'm assuming you learned these as uh, you were either getting through the book or doing the TV shoot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this the, these sort of emerge from the TV shoot. And it's funny, you know, when you plan menus, I'm not thinking like, what are the trends and how can I come up with dishes to match them? It's more like I plan the menus. And then when I step back and look at the show, I think, well, you know, there's something interesting going here. And I kind of had my something came across and governed the menu. So one, you know, was grilling crosses borders. And we did two shows. We did one called Tex Meets Mex and another called Chino Latino, where we looked at the kind of cross-cultural fusion. Uh, The Tex Meets Mex was obviously, you know, Texas barbecue meets uh, Mexican spices and chilies. And the Chino Latino... um, kind of pays homage to in the mid 19th century countries like Cuba and Trinidad and Tobago imported uh, the first wave of laborers from China and the Far East to work the plantations uh, replacing the slaves who had newly been liberated and that led to sort of this fusion of Caribbean ingredients and flavors and Chinese cooking techniques and flavors and so we explored that in the Chino Latino show um, that was pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, another, you know, another trend that's big and I'm actually kind of working on a new book on it. Grilling goes green and it's sort of the vegetable if you want to think of it that way of, uh, of grilling. But I mean, I think we're all even diehard meat eaters. Um, we're all grilling more vegetables and kind of 
not only for help, but we're we're sort of showing them a lot of creativity and love, maybe that was missing before. Is that something that's being forced on us? Do you think? I do not think. I think it's something we're embracing voluntarily. And it's funny, you know. I think I mentioned my next book is a book on. I call it vegetable forward grilling. It's not a vegetarian book by any stretch, but um, and you know as I tour the country like I do every spring. Uh, I mentioned the new book and kind of wanted to hear what people thought. And East and West Coast, everybody's like, yeah, I really want to see that. Texas, Kansas City, you know, initially people kind of groan and grumble and make the sign of the cross warning off a vampire. But then after the classes, guys would come up to me and say, you know, that's that's really a good idea. I mean, I don't like to admit it in public with the guys, but I want to eat more vegetables. But so, so in order to, to remain uh, at a high level of hypocrisy, which I love to operate it, uh, uh-huh. I ask if, you know, if grilling vegetables is or, or vegetables in general is being pushed on us. But I love grilled asparagus, grilled tomatoes, uh, grilled zucchini. It, it would appear to me, at least in my palate, that if even if I don't like it inside uh, prepared traditionally or whatever that would mean to you, if you get it outside, it's kind of like well, one of Reichland's rules. Anything cooked inside is going to taste even better outside on the grill. Uh, it, it exemplifies that for vegetables. Oh, absolutely. You know, if you think about what's in a vegetable, right? All vegetables have a lot of sugar. Cook them over high heat uh, on a grill and you're caramelizing that sugar and making the vegetable sweeter. And then if you're working over a wood fire, which I love to do, or working in a smoker, you're also adding a smoky element, which again, just totally changes the complexion of the vegetable. It's funny, I'm looking at my website here and uh, I'm looking at a dish we did for a show called Wood Fire Grilling and they're tomatoes blistered over a hot wood fire. Mm served on toast with sweet uh, ricotta cheese. And, I mean, this thing looks as amazing to me as any steak could. Stephen, last time you were on the show, we talked about uh, cilantro. And I said, you know, some people just seem to hate it with a passion. Then you had mentioned that I think it was 30% of the population has something wrong with their mouth where it tastes like soap, and that's why they don't like it. Um, Correct. Is it a I'm similar- married to one, unfortunately. Oh, well, there you go. Is it similar with tomatoes, or do those people just hate tomatoes? Well, I don't know that I've ever met a person that hates a tomato. Oh, my God. So- you got to come and visit my house. I'm surrounded by them. No, Every no, last I, I- one of them hates tomatoes. No, the, yeah, I, I've yet to meet a person that uh, – but I will come to your house someday. I, right. I don't know when, but I, I will. And I will, we'll I will introduce you to four women who hate tomatoes with a passion, and then you will see oh, them dear. in person, no doubt. Do they happen to be wife, wives and daughters? Uh, yes, of course. Ouch. Yes. A man on an island in more ways than one. Uh, Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show. Um, one of the other things I mentioned in the Open, uh, we're right in the heart of football season at this point. That's obviously synonymous with tailgating. And I was wondering if you had any indispensable tools for tailgating you'd like to share. Well, I do. Um, I mean, um, you know, aside from the obvious uh, long sleeve uh, suede gloves for handling hot chimney starters, uh, tongs, uh, you know, long handle spring loaded tongs for handling the food, instant read meat thermometer. But one thing that's really useful is a rib rack. Uh, 
uh, sometimes called a rib condominium, and that is a device that enables you to cook four racks of ribs standing upright in the space normally would, that would be occupied by one or two racks. So if you're really trying to pump out ribs, you know, for your buddies at a, uh, a tailgating party, rib rack is uh, a very useful and essential tool. Another thing, this is just so goofy, but, you know, it's one of the best sellers in my Best of Barbecue line, actually, uh, a small metal trash can because – when you're done, first of all, you put your charcoal in it, keeps it dry uh, before you start grilling. And then second of all, uh, when you're done grilling, you know, you put that hot ash in a metal charcoal. You sure don't want to do that in plastic or it'll melt. It's a great way to, you know, kind of keep keep your ash control under under control. Um, Stephen, do you, um, I just lost my line of questioning that i was gonna uh ask you, you about. got you got so emotional at the I'm thought tell- of that that trash right? can just absolutely uh blew my mind so uh, uh what about like uh, food wise at tailgates are you uh, a fan of more of the simpler dishes i mean you can go to some of these places and it's a full-blown blowout well you know i guess i'm i'm pretty elemental uh, i mean i like bratwurst i like ribs uh um you know, I like burgers. I like a steak sandwich. I uh, like pork, pork, pork shoulder. Pulled mm-hmm. pork shoulder is great because you can, you know, prepare it ahead of time. Just reheat it. But within that context, I like a little twist or spin on each of those dishes. So the bratwurst, for example, I I I smoke roast my bratwurst. I indirect grill them with wood smoke on the fire instead of direct grilling. I find that uh, they stay moister, the casing gets crisper, and then you can infuse a smoke flavor that's totally astonishing. Um, with um, you know my pork shoulder, I'm, I'm really into mustard sauces these days mm-hmm. in the style of South Carolina. I think that just has so much uh, so much flavor. Um, ribs, you know, my first timers ribs, uh, barbecue rub to smoke and then a sauce to finish and lacquer and sear in. That's really great. What I like to do with the ribs for tailgate is cut them up and, you know, kind of serve them almost like finger food. Uh, Stephen, my next guest coming up is Robin Lindars, creator of grillgirl.com. And she has been sharing with me over the last two months, how much iguanas have been overtaking the lands of florida are you having or have you heard of having the the same issues in miami that she's having like up in the middle portion we uh we had iguanas in our backyard they make a big mess there are whole industries we hired a company that was uh, supposed to get rid of our iguana and i uh spent a lot of money and it, it didn't really work but mm. the happy thing about iguanas is eventually they pick up and leave so this oh. particular iguana picked up and left and we are okay by the way you know when um the First Spanish explorers came to the uh, Caribbean in the wake of Columbus, and uh, one of them, Oviedo, Francesco uh, Oviedo y Valdez, who wrote about barbecue. It was the first occurrence of the word barbecue in the in a European uh, printed language. Uh, the food that he identified that one of the foods he identified that absolutely horrified and freaked out the early uh, European explorers was iguana. And apparently that was a big popular barbecue food uh, for the Taino Indians. Well, that was going to be my next question is if you were having such issues with iguana, uh, have you ever by chance eaten one? Well, I haven't eaten one, uh, knowingly at least, but I would eat an iguana, and I'm sure it would taste like chicken. Um, off the top <laughs> of your head, do you have a Stephen Reichland preparation that you think you'd try? 
For iguana? Yeah. Well, I mean, thinking about that, you know, I think I'd probably, uh, since they're found throughout the Caribbean, I would probably, uh, you know, do a marinade with, uh, would probably would be lime juice and allspice and scotch bonnet chilies and, uh, you know, maybe some, uh, what they call a scallion, which is a wild chive. Uh, marinate that, put it on a stick, grill it, eat it off the stick. I think it'd be amazing. All right. Uh, last question before I let you go tonight, Stephen. Always appreciate the time. Uh, I had a listener-submitted question asking where there would be a new location for Barbecue University, I believe, uh, or at least from what I'm hearing, that uh, the Broadmoor has uh, time has come and gone, or no? It is, and we will be moving to a new location, and uh, we are finalizing that location this month, and we will announce very shortly. So if any of your... uh, listeners are interested, you know, go up on barbecuebible.com. We'll make a big announcement about it. I promise you it's going to be fabulous. All right. So there wasn't any class that had already been being enrolled at the Colorado location that you're having to roll back at this point? No, we are uh, we are moving locations uh, bigger and better. All right, sounds good to me. It's Stephen Reichland. You find him here the third Tuesday of each and every month. Barbecuebible.com, his website. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. You got it. There he is, Stephen Reichland. Right there, Barbecue Hall of Famer. I always mean to ask him about, you know, so many years later, what's it mean to be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame? Because a lot of guys still don't know who's in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, I think. Uh, Slowly changing. We're trying to help. Here in this show, we're trying to help change that whole knowledge base or, or lack of knowledge. Did somebody not tell Stephen Reichland to go buy a pellet rifle and take care of his own iguana? That seems like that would be right up his alley. Sitting up high atop the porch and then pop, pop. Taking off Iggy the iguana. Field gutting him quickly, bleeding him out. Ripping off his skin, soaking him, and then doing whatever the hell he would do. Put him on a stick, I think he said. Lime juice. Maybe there was a five spice in there or something along those lines. I don't know. All right. Let me talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue before we get to Robin Lindar's The Grill Girl, established in 1882. Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations now. Famous for the original beef sausage, which is coarse ground, but in a natural pork casing. Plus, they have authentic Central Texas barbecue as well. All meats, including the prime briskets, are smoked low and slow for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com, and they ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note if you want. You can mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. All meats are processed in that on-site USDA inspected facility, on-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders are welcome as well. If you're hungry, you can eat there too. Two restaurants, Elgin, Texas since 1882 and Bastrop, Texas since 2014. Plus, you have grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states. When you go to southsidemarket.com, by the way, as you're checking out, use promo code BBQ Central, all one word lowercase. I actually just gave that code out to a fan of the show yesterday. 
who texted me and said, what's that code for Southside? BBQ Central, of course, all one word, lowercase. Get you 10% off your entire order, so don't be afraid to shop. The more you buy, the more you save with code BBQ Central. The Grill Girl, Iguanas, World Food Championships, and the list goes on. We're back right after this. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you. By CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. You visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com as well. What the hell? Now we're going to have a Skype issue. Ugh. Just give me one second. I got to shut it down. And I got to restart it. It always seems like after the first interview, it connects fine. It runs fine. No issues. And then as soon as I hang up with the first guest, every time I try and go back to the second guest and third and, you know, whatever, doesn't work. Now, here we go. Okay. Yeah. Right. Anyway. My next guest is also found here on the third Tuesday of each and every month. She is the creator of GrillGirl.com and the Race to the Hotline. And welcome back, friend of show, Robin Lindar. Hey, Robin. Hey, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. Thanks for joining me as always. You look like you're... What? Are you back in your old house? No. No. It, It looks very familiar for some reason maybe i've just grown accustomed to the new house now being the old house <laughs> yeah yeah now wow. i don't have to have an office and a guest room together i can have my own office uh-huh. and I don't have to share. very productive and efficient we like that oh yeah it's kind of cool well i was just talking with steven reichel by the way we're talking with robin lindars from uh, grillgirl.com at grillgirl robin on the instagrams if you're so inclined do you do tiktok robin i just signed up for tiktok I did because Stover's telling me it's pretty awesome. Oh, okay. So, so well, I haven't officially yet, but I'm going to. It's oh. on my to-do list. All right. Well, I already have two followers, so guess what? I'm better than you right now. I'm better than you. All right, here we go. I'm winning. So I was just talking with Stephen Reichlin, and I said, hey, Stephen, you know, you're in Miami guy half of the year or whatever. Do you have these issues that Robin is having with iguana? And uh, I said, she's kind of like up in the, you're like the center part, right? Now you're in center part of Florida-ish. Well, Southwest. Southwest. All right. So he's you know way south, obviously. So he said, you know yeah. what? We did have an iguana issue, and he hired some service to come and like I guess trap or 
take care of his iguana, but he didn't end up, uh, they didn't end up catching him. And so he didn't end up getting any, and he hasn't, of course, eaten it. It's probably one of the only things he hasn't eaten, although he did regale me with a story of one of the very first barbecue dishes ever uh, after Columbus had come through that uh, was like barbecued iguana, I believe, that freaked everybody out. Nice. But, uh, nice. We have been tracking your progress of not only arming yourself with pellet <laughs> weapons and then uh, potentially taking them out and uh, ultimately eating them with your iguana recipe. So, you know, uh, two months ago, you talked to us about the infestation. Then we saw your armament. Then you were talking about recipes last month. But where are we at now? Have we eaten iguana? Yes. And truth be told, I have not sh- I have not harvested my own iguana yet. Um, supposedly near me, they have a lot of them. But it all came about because my girlfriend's killed like 16 in her backyard so far. Wow, so there are places where they just are, they go kind of gangbusters, right? Um, and they're in South Florida, they're in Southwest Florida. They have uh, the actually the nuisance alligator removal guy when he came to my house because um, I called him on the alligator that I wanted to get removed, which he never, he never came out. Um, told me that uh, they actually have hired someone not that far from me near Sanibel Island yep. and um, that area that his full-time job is just removing uh, iguanas. So they've, they've just gotten kind of out of control. And so um, I decided I wanted to try one because, you know, like I mentioned, I have, I know a lot of people that are just like killing them in their yards and then just throwing them in the garbage, like to the point where, Another friend I, I or another person I know on Instagram has like a, a chest freezer that they keep their iguanas in until trash day comes. Um, you know, so I guess so you don't have like a rotting animal in your trash, yeah, right? right? So um it sounds crazy, but yeah, so Fish and Wildlife has actually said you can you can get rid of them or um you can hunt them on public land. You don't have to have a permit. So I befriended um one of the nuisance wildlife removal guys here in my area and he gave me one t- he gave me the um, the meat to cook with and so i finally broke down and cooked uh, cooked it and if you guys saw i think it was last monday night i did a live stream uh, which was nuts i had a uh, hunter cooking with me and we were just I don't know if uh, Hunter was cooking with you, but he was certainly uh, trying to take over the whole camera run i mean that kid's a star in the making i guess I know. I feel like I'm going to be like a momager with him. You know, he's such a ham. He loves it. We're nuts. You know, at one point he like, we knocked the camera, the, uh, the tripod over. And um, yeah. So, but anyway, I ended up trying it and frying it because like things, like if you think of like a, an alligator or like frog legs, I think those type of meats are always better fried. And so I just, I just figured I would do the iguana that way too. And so I made fried iguana tacos. And, um, if you see, I put one of my story highlights on my Instagram, but I was like blown away at how freaking good the meat is. I was just like, my mind was blown. Like I expected it to be kind of like a alligator. You know, when you try alligator, you're like, Hmm, that's okay. Pretty okay. You know? Um, but I was like, Holy shit, this meat's really good. You know? And, now, um, here's your actual reaction. Check this out. This is an iguana leg. Can you believe it? It's delicious. Who knew? There you go. That was you giving a real uh, synopsis. Who knew? Mind blown. Who, Mind who blown. No. Wow. Wow. And um, 
So I have another, I have another, um, I have one more iguana in my freezer. And so in South America, I think it's pretty common to eat them now. So I've had people on Instagram from like my, some of my South American friends told me it's very common to eat them and they make them in this like, uh, stew, like a coconut milk broth stew with some kind of peppers. And so one of my friends, um, sent me the recipe, of course, it was kind of in like Spanish, but translated to English. And then there was also autocorrect. So who the heck knows by the time I make the recipe, yeah, if it'll right. be really true to form. But um, he called it wiki watchy stew. And um, either way, I mean, I just have to tell you, it is really good meat. I mean, honestly, like more delicate than chicken and not fishy and just, just very surprising. And I, I definitely can't wait to try more. So um, in the spirit of always trying new things and also just not wanting to be wasteful, right? Like if, if you have an invasive species and people are just killing them and putting them in the garbage, why not? You know? And, um, that's kind of where it came from. So when you got the iguana, was it a, a carcass? Like, did you have to skin it and do all that stuff or was it already like prepped out for you? It had already been prepped. So, um, my goal would be to take my little, air rifle. I got a, a 22 caliber air rifle and, and eventually harvest my own. Um, they're not overpopulated where I live, but you know, there's definitely neighbors, uh, some neighborhoods near where I live, like Cape Coral. Um, the, the wildlife guy that I got mine from Nick, thank you, Nick. Um, uh, he killed 76 in one neighborhood in one day. Like that's just what? like, they're just, yeah. Oh. So I know it's kind of crazy. So, um, I, yeah, I just, it's kind of like if you, if you followed my blog, you know that I will cook sometimes like lionfish, which is another invasive species. Like we have a lot of stuff that goes kind of crazy down here, um, with no natural predators. So just in the spirit of not wanting something to go to waste, um, I tried it and it's freaking delicious. How so, much, how, like how much meat do you get? I mean, obviously it's going to depend on size, right? But I mean, did you get a couple pounds of meat out of an iguana? The one I had was really small, and I, uh, for the first recipe, I tried the small one first because I, I kind of wanted to practice, so it wasn't probably even a pound. Um, that okay. night, I also fried a bunch of fish and did, like, fish tacos and, and iguana tacos, but, um, I mean, I've seen some big ones. You know, the, the alligator guy, my new, my, my, new, my new alligator removal guy um, was telling me that uh, one lady, there was an iguana so big in her backyard, she thought it was an alligator so they can get pretty big wow, the one i had wasn't a ton, it's not a ton of meat and it's not there's not any fat on it you know so you definitely don't want to overcook it but i can just equate it to like a more delicate chicken mm. like when i had that iguana leg it tasted like a chicken wing mm. i was blown you, away you could put bar uh, buffalo wing sauce on that and you would have a, a, a bigger version of a buffalo wing potentially Absolutely. And honestly, if you if you gave it to someone, they would not know. Like really? they would not know they were eating iguana. No. Wow. They would be like, Wow, this chicken is moist and delicious. <laughs> it's um I definitely want to cook some more recipes and, and try it out All right. because well, yeah, we're looking forward fun. to that, no doubt. Uh, grillgirl.com yeah. is the website if you want to keep up with the iguana files and as uh, <laughs> the new things roll out, obviously you'll get updates right here on the Barbecue Central show on the third Tuesday of the month as well. Uh, yeah. Robin Lindars is my guest. Now, uh, transitioning out of the iguana coming up this Saturday. I mean, we spent a lot of time on iguana, but meanwhile, you have a huge event coming up on Saturday, a little thing called the World Food Championships. So for the folks that aren't aware 
uh, you know, if you want to tell us a little bit about World Food Championships and then specifically like what you're taking part. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been um, practicing like crazy. That's what I was doing tonight before before I put Hunter to bed. Just kind of one last hurrah trying to get my my dish down. But yeah, the World Food Champs is like uh, it's a big event. You know, um, I didn't realize how big it was, but I've been hearing a lot about it recently um, in the past couple of years. Walmart's a big sponsor yep. and it's not just barbecue. It's kind of like all different types of, of cooking, which I think is really cool. Um, and it's, it's really taking the, uh, the sport of cooking and, and competitions and making it like a really huge event out of it. So this year it's in Dallas and, um, I got invited to be part of the Firewoman challenge, which is an all charcoal, no electricity, cooking event and the rules are basically you know what can you cook in 90 minutes any protein of your choice um and it's me versus it was a it was originally five women but now it's four because tina cannon who's won it in the past two years so i guess i should be happy that she dropped out um so it's me versus three other ladies and i'm trying to remember uh everyone's name it's uh, Christina Fitzgerald, who's a total badass. She just uh, she owns like a barbecue restaurant in um, Sugar Fire. In yes, yep. and um, Jackie Milligan, and there's two others, and I'm having a total brain fart right now. Um, forgive me, but the competition is steep, so I just hope to perform well. And you know, I have a little bit of um, I have a little bit of uh, anxiety because, you know, when I went on Chopped like five years ago and I was very early on and earlier on in my cooking career, but also, you know, going on national television, um, I just always get worried because like when I did that, you know, that was just like whatever they throw at you, you have to do. And I had like kind of a a non-recoverable error <laughs> with oysters. Yep. And um, so I just always get a little freaked out. At least this isn't on national television. So <laughs> things don't go well, but you know, this is something I've been rehearsing and I know the ingredients. Um, the, uh, the thing is they can throw in supposedly they said like a random ingredient at the last minute, which would probably be like a sponsor's ingredient yeah. or something. And you would have to use that, right? You, it's not optional, not optional. So, um, but yeah, you know, I feel, I feel confident in that. Um, at least I'm well rehearsed and, um, what I've, what I'm entering in, which you'll, you'll soon find out, uh, I've done a lot and I practice it. The main thing is, you know, presentation, um, something I'm, I'm working on and things like knife skills. You know, I'm not a professional chef. I'm, I'm a homegrown chef and, um, there are things that I definitely could use some, um, brushing up on if you will. So, um, but not everyone there is a professional chef either, but they're all very good competitors. So, um, all of you guys wish me luck and, um, you truly honored just to be part of the experience and invited and included and, my dad's coming with me, which is exciting because that's kind of our thing. We do competitions together, so he's just going to go and support me. Um, I can't have a sous chef, so mm. uh, but he'll be there, you know, just, um, you know, serving is a bad example. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we should have fun. Yeah, Hur uh, Hurricane Eddie in full force support, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And and in spirit of grillgirl.com, what I – have started doing is um, interviewing some of my other competitors and highlighting them on my site and featuring their recipes. So the first person I have interviewed is, is Jackie Milligan, um, who's very decorated in her own right on the, the comp on the, the competitive circuit. So um, 
so yeah, I'm hoping to round round up all those interviews and hound everyone for interviews and hopefully have them share a recipe so that we can get a li- little learn a little bit more about other female cooks out there. You know, I, I think that we're all learning that, you know, cooking over fire is not just a guy's game anymore. And especially as you've probably seen in the past five years, Greg, um, there's definitely a lot more females getting into it. I mean, you had a, what, like an 18 year old that you or 17 year old you interviewed on your show not that long ago. So it's kind of cool to see. I think also with like Instagram, we, uh, people have been able to learn from each other and all, you know, just, uh, you learn about other females, you know, in, in the space. And I also think that, the addition of pellet smoking has made grilling a lot more approachable to a lot of females. So anyway, it's exciting to see. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the experience. Let me ask you this, Robin, um, in your opinion, because you are a woman in this industry, do you feel that women in general in this industry are supportive of each other? Or do you think that there is a little bit more divisiveness than support? I think there's divisiveness, divisiveness for sure. Um, uh, you know, uh, I've definitely seen a lot of that. I mean, I definitely have my great barbecue friends that I've made. Like I'm super tight with Brooke Lewis. She's like my barbecue bestie. I've met her, you know, but I'd say, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of divisive divisiveness in that. Um, it's almost like everyone wants to kind of make a name for themselves. And it's like, you don't, I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that we should all be lifting each other up. So um, I really want to make grillgirl.com really focus more on highlighting other cool females in the space, you know? Um, so so that's really, I'd say moving into 2020 is something I'm going to be focusing a lot more on. Uh, when the smoke, But unfortunately, women can be bitchy, you know? There's one that you've had on your show before. I'm not going to name who. Well, hold who on a second. Is, you got you to gotta name the name if we're going to walk no. it out there. Come on, let's hear no, it. But- uh, well, like, like historically, for whatever reason. Here we go. Here's the name. Ready, set, yeah. go. What is it? Diva Q has always hated my gut. My God, what? Yeah, she hates me, and I barely know her. And I've always been like, I don't know what her beef is with me. Wow. Um, I've heard she has beefs with other females in the space, and who the heck knows why? I don't know what the deal is. Don't really know her. Has she We've said? Has like, she said, Robin? I hate your guts. No, she said it to other people. We did an event together, um, like a catering event a long time ago together, like three years ago. And to everyone else, they were like, she, why is she here? Meh. Like, it was just really. And then everyone's like, what's Diva Q's beef with you? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, but that's the point is like, I think in the spirit of embracing all the females out there, we should, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships or whatever it is. So. Um, y'all chicks out there, we got to help each, we got to support each other and not knock each other down. I think that's what the, the point is. All right. Uh, Robin Lindar is joining me. Yeah, here. you have to call me out, Greg. Now I'm going to like, next thing you know, it's wow. going to be like, oh, and I'm just going to, I don't want anyone trolling me on the internet. At a rando <laughs> parking lot, uh, DVQ and Robin Lindar's fist fighting. It'll be captured on the internet in a month or less. You can book that. No doubt. I'm just kidding. That will not happen. Well, we know who would lose that battle. No I'm doubt. Sure my ass. Oh, um, I just don't want my, my tire slashed or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, so when the smoke clears on Saturday, I've been trying to get to this for like five minutes, but it was just too good. When the smoke clears on Saturday and you win the uh, women's challenge, what will you win? What's the prize? 
I think it's like a thousand dollars, maybe fifteen hundred. I don't think it's a huge cash purse, but I think it's bragging rights at the end of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I'll take it. I could use the money. Yeah, right. Couldn't y'all? Any any money, especially free money, is me. Rule number three of the show, by the way, if it's free, it's me, and that certainly applies to money. And uh, we are talking with Robin Lindars, Grill Girl. You can find her at grillgirl.com, so make sure you hit that website. Check out all the interviews she's going to do with all the other female competitors out there, World Food Championships, plus iguana recipes. Come on, at Grill Girl Robin on the Twitter. I assume you're going to be at Grill Girl Robin on TikTok whenever you get on that too. Yes or no? Yeah, I got to get I got to get on there. And I will live stream from World Food Champs, you guys. I mean, yes. I have never I've never been there before. So, um, I'm going to live stream it when I get there on Friday. So, <clears throat> if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'll be sharing it. And yeah, exciting stuff. And uh, I should mention I'm doing a Flame Boss giveaway. So, if you right now and it goes through the end of October, so for all of you my barbecue peeps out there, if you've ever used a Flame Boss, they're pretty awesome, and it will kind of babysit your cook so you can multitask. Um, so if you sign up for my newsletter, you can be uh, you can be registered to win. All right. Well, Robin, good luck uh, this coming Saturday, and we will get the follow-up next month. Thanks so much. Yeah. Love you guys. All right. There she is. Robin Lindars right there. Uh, wow. We Look at her. I it hardly took any prodding from me at all to get her to... Say that name. Wow, we look at her. That's see, I mean, look, uh, you either love that or you hate it. As a host, I love. Um, of course, you know, if anybody ever interviews me, I, that's something I would do. If I'm going to fish something out there, actually, I wouldn't be uh, as coy. I would just kind of roll it out there. Not even kind of, I would roll it out there. But it took very little prodding on my part to say, hey, uh, forget about. Uh, no names, please. P- names, please. Let's discard rule number one of the show, no names, please, and let's go right to names, please. And she threw it right down. Look at that. Is there any way that is going to trickle back to DivaQ and now we could have a uh, steel cage match on the Barbecue Central show in 2020? I'll start promoting it. As soon as I get confirmation from the other side, we'll sell pay-per-view tickets. It's going to be the biggest pay-per-view event in barbecue wrestling history, right? (laughs) Barbecue wrestling? (laughs) I have that already somewhere, I think. Anyway, that is... Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, see what I did? Damn it. Holy moly. Oh, right. Give me a damn minute. Oh. Christ. Here we go. That's what I want. All right. I had it right the first time. Let me roll it back. Robin Lindars is the Grill Girl. That was my last guest. Grillgirl.com is the website. At Grill Girl Robin is her Instagram. Will be her TikTok. Join TikTok. Where am I at on followers? Very concerned. I want 20 by the end of the show. I... My levels are not, my expectations are not very high. Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue says maybe Robin and DVQ can wrestle in a giant bowl of chili beans. What's a chili bean? Is that like uh, red beans? Pintos? Or just chili bean mix? I don't know. All right, we are going to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. 
Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. This is Jennifer Polymus from Shalote, North Carolina, and this is Barbecue Central. 